the crystal gems We'll always save the day And if you think we can Welcome back to Saturday Morning Confidential. Today's nostalgia files are on Steven Universe. Uh, JD Martin, we have on the show today with us. Welcome, a podcast host in your own rights. I was so happy that we could get you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So fill the audience in about who you are. Who I am. Well, I'm uh, 22. I'm an Aries. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I host a podcast called Comics Quest where I talk about comics and is geared toward people who want to get into comics, but they don't know where to start. It's kind of like a roadmap for the, for those people. And outside of that, I love movies and I occasionally appear on other people's podcasts talking about movies. And now I'm here talking about my favorite thing of all time, Steven Universe. I love that. Yeah, I think I first heard you on uh, Screen Snark with our friends Matt and Rachel. Yes, Rachel, uh, yeah. my my inspiration for everyday life. <laughs> uh, Rachel, non-binary royalty, like literal, just like like yes. literally all all men and women should aspire to to be Rachel Corky Shank. Yes, and uh, yes, Rachel is the whole reason I watched Steven Universe in the first place. I am so, that's so, I, I feel like she's going to be sitting at home now and just going, mm, good, good. <laughs> good <laughs> she gains power when, when that is, when that is, uh, um, said. So, uh, in our pre-show conversation, you were actually saying that you jumped on the bandwagon of Steven Universe late, which I also jumped in a little late. So mm-hmm. other than Rachel screaming about it into the ether, what made you finally jump on board to Steven Universe. You know, it's funny. So I think it was, yes, it was last year, uh, right before the third season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. that word gives me problems with my lisp. Uh, but right before the third season came out, I started watching that show. And then a coworker of mine, his name is Josh. Hi, Josh. I don't know if you're listening to this. He uh, recommended Steven Universe to me. He said, if you like She-Ra, you'll love Steven Universe. It just has that vibe. And I was like, okay, cool. And I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And eventually I started watching it and I fell in love instantly. I felt this is the show I've been missing. And then I fell off for a while. I watched like the first, the first half of the first season and then HBO Max came out and they had it all there plus the movie. And they were about to put out future uh, which we're eventually going to talk about in another episode. And I then sat for about a week and I just watched the entire show and I absolutely fell in love with this show. It's perfect. I love it. Few things in the, yeah. in, in the world I will call perfect. This is perfect. I, I agree with you. Even with its faults, like I find anything that is perfect is rid- peppered with their own faults, but like that's, perfection is faulty so 
I, yes. I will agree with you. Um, and you brought up She-Ra too, which I, I binged after that final season came out and binged <laughs> all of it in a week. Uh, if anyone wants to, you can go back and listen to the Isolation Cast episode where it's me, Matt Storm, Rachel Quirky Shank, MJ, and Jeff Moonen screaming about how much we love She-Ra. And how um, gay it is. Um, so and just gay. How gay. But still could be gayer. Uh, oh, could which be. Yeah. It's not something I think I'm going to say about Steven Universe, but we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get but to I that. I think these are two shows where, so, you know, we're recording this a couple months before it's going to come out. So we're still not in the winter of our discontent, but like we've been in quarantine pandemic time. You know, I live in a state that never really quarantined, which upsets me. Um, but you know, we're like 280, 280 days into this. And I'm at a point where I just moved. I just paid for HBO max and I'm having a really hard time committing to watching programming right now. Like I'll start watching something and it just, I'm uncomfortable. I feel shaky. Now I do have ADHD. So that's the thing that will, we'll preface this with ADHD and anxiety combining together in an adult human. Are you queer? If you're not ADHD and anxious, like (laughs) are you even, um, but so I've actually found it really difficult. And so prepping for this episode this week, I've, Watched. I I finished up my last like rewatch like last winter when the final episodes of Steven Universe came out. Finally, like mm-hmm. they finally wrapped up the show before the movie and before future. So I'm gonna preface with uh, uh, JD is just such a delight. We're gonna have him back and we're gonna do another episode that's just the movie and future later because. I was watching the movie earlier and went, oh, this unpacks a whole lot more. We need a whole two hours just to talk about this 90-minute movie. Um, Oh, and so you mentioned having flaws. I would argue, I'm going to argue, and we'll get to this in the next episode, that Future kind of fixes some things. Mm, we love that. I've also heard that about Future as well. I yeah. I also, it was so nice watching the movie because I was like, thank God Zach doesn't have to pitch his voice up anymore because you could tell me at the <laughs> end in, in the, the when they're on Homeworld and he's going up against the diamonds, you were like, you could tell, you were like, oh, you're in your mid-20s and you're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what happens when you get cast when you're 15 but your show's been recorded for 10 years? Like, what, <laughs> what happens? I know um, it, it, it was great watching the movie and going, Oh, finally. Yeah. Good. Well, especially cause I know he's doing his own music now and he's doing mm-hmm. this lovely, like makeup fashion, non-binary thing himself. I don't think he's ever come out as like a different gender identity, but like mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, I, and I, you know, he's, he's doing the, the, the non, the non uh, destructive version of what the Disney channel stars always did after they finished <laughs> yeah. the show. He's like doing this thing where he's edgy and he said, fuck in one of his songs. And you're like, Ooh, who's a bad boy. Ooh, <laughs> you a bad babe sack. Um, but I, I say that in love, but getting through my tangent, I hit certain episodes that I knew would be important to rewatch uh, for mm-hmm. today or that slash. I just needed an excuse to rewatch some, and which is funny, which some of them are the slice of life, slice of life episodes that don't really matter in the grand scheme of plot, but like, God, they made beach city weird. And I'm thankful for it. Yes. Um, Keep beach city weird. Like, I love honestly, a shout out. I will watch any Jamie, the mailman or Mary or Dewey episodes. Yes. Like, 
Also, just because I'm a theater human and Jamie literally being the most theatrical human ever. Uh, <laughs> God, it's so good. Um, but, so, gotta keep tangenting, which everyone should be used to by now. You've been listening to me for a year and a half and I don't understand why, but thank you. Um, uh, it's such an enjoyable show to put on. And with the episodes, until your like last season when they started clumping the episodes together, like they were in 15-minute mm-hmm. chunks, but they were really one full... Well, really, because that's when we were getting the Steven bombs. So it was like four episodes... Four, four half-hour chunks told one story. You know, it's you know 90-minute. Yeah. Um, but it's such an enjoyable show to just put on and have. Even in high-stress moments... Um, it is so delightful, and I think the way it's scored does that a lot. Uh, Rebecca's writing and their kind of creation of these characters and the voice direction of a lot of these characters just makes it soothing in a way that I just found. It's the same way that I found she so enjoyable to binge. Like, they are two very bingeable shows, and I'm hoping Lumberjames will be the same way when it comes to HBO Max. Yes, um, I was excited when that was announced. Oh, me too. Also, because I will go anywhere where Noel Stevenson is. I just, anyway. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, uh. Um, so <laughs> what was it about Steven Universe that just clicked for you? You know, you're going through and you... So when we say that, like, there are 160 some odd episodes, even mm-hmm. in 15-minute chunks, that's a lot of time to commit to a show when we go from, you know, Cookie Cat in episode one to Bismuth and Point Breaker in, in oh episode boy. 100. Like, it's... Like, that's the a long point, yeah. way to go in 100 episodes. So what what brought you in and then what kept you? So, oh, this is, uh, this is interesting. So I'm going to tie that's this a, deep, a little bit to comic books. <laughs> yeah, do it. Tie it. Okay, so I believe that... Steven Universe is the ideal show that how am I gonna, how do, how should I put this? Basically, it has a great correlation to comic books. So, mm-hmm. with comic books, you have you know twenty some odd pages to tell a story. You t- to tell mm-hmm. either you know a single part of a story or you know just like a little self contained story, and you have a series that goes on like that. And, you know, we have, you know, all of these television shows that are based on comics, you know, and there's all the superhero shows we got, even we have shows like, you know, iZombie or The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. but they're still like, you know, 40 minute dramas and that gets tiring. You know, that's one of the reasons, like I have a hard, I have a very hard time committing to any television show that has 45 to 50 minute episodes. It, it really bogs me down so of course seeing a show and like literally every single episode is 11 and a half minutes with mm-hmm. credits mm-hmm. i was like perfect this is like my thing i have to do this but once i got into it, i was going oh wait it's really weird because every episode functions exactly like a single issue of a comic book where yes like even like a 20 minute episode of, of a, of a cartoon that's still too long to be like a single issue. 11 minutes is like, mm-hmm. that's how long it takes to just read a comic book, like right. read a single issue. And I realized, Oh, so this is just basically the greatest comic book that isn't a comic book. 
And it's really funny because this also functions as like an answer to superhero comics in a way. Because Steven Universe, you could argue that Steven is kind of like another Superman analog, but done in... I'm 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 trying to think exactly like he's because he uh, is of two worlds, but he's literally of two worlds because he is half Jim, half human, mm-hmm. and you know he's but so like he has that human half of him that grounds him, and he has this alien half of them that you know like oh I'm gonna go on adventures with my with my family and but also there's the everyday things of like they cancel my favorite ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then it ge- keeps going on and on with all that, and then the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But we still have that human half of him that grounds him, and that also feeds into the other gems. And so Stephen like has, as Rebecca Sugar has actually put it, put put it now after uh, the show has ended, that she believes that Stephen's selflessness is actually his biggest flaw. Because everyone's like, oh, Steven, he just wants to help everyone. He's like, yeah, that's true. But sometimes that's to his detriment. And that's really interesting to explore because we, you know, whenever we see selflessness done in other, you know, mediums and with other characters, selflessness is always seen as the ultimate uh, plus for anybody. But here it's shown that it's like, well, it is good. But it does come with some drawbacks, mm-hmm. and I love that. I love that they they're willing to go there. Yeah. So it's great. I, I could talk well, all day about that. <laughs> well, and that's why I've got you here. Well, and something if we talk about this idea of so there is an inherent queerness to the show, which I think we can't kind of talk about the show without talking about it because it's just absolutely. There. Um, I mean, just from the identity of the gems to mm-hmm. Steven and uh, Connie, to Greg, to relationships in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Garnet alone. Like, it's... Yeah. Um, uh, it's... But it's this idea that... I do, I do, I'm not a RuPaul stan, but RuPaul has this quote of, as queer people, we choose we get to choose our own families. And mm-hmm. this is that beautiful example of, like, your real family, your quote-unquote real family, your biological family, with your chosen family, because the gems chose to stay there, and they choose to get along with Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Pearl has to w- work through that. But, you know, that's Stephen. It's, it's, it's the true modern modern family is something else about this too, is it's an actual family sitcom um, because it's Steven is the next generation teaching the, the elders about other things, which, you know, in this case, it's about, you know, gay space moms learning, learning things about, you know, uh, uh, in be, in be human, human things. Um, yeah. Which I think we see most in Pearl. Pearl's struggle with Stephen and Greg and everything. But it's beautiful to see that Stephen has the support team of the gems, but then the grounding unit that is Greg and Connie, and then like Sadie and Lars, um, and and then the weirdness that is Onion and Onion's family. Like oh my God, <laughs> like Dahlia and Sour Cream. I still love that they had two brothers named sour cream and onion. It's yep. Beautiful. It's so good. And it's the most glamorous family in, in beach city by BT Dobbs. Um, mm-hmm. but 
Okay, I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago on Grinder, a guy went, you look like a fucked up mix of Onion from Steven Universe and, um, 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 oh, what's his face? From, from, uh, from Gravity Falls. What's his name? Um, oh, uh, uh, Uncle Grunkle? Mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. The tiny little southern boy with the big pompadour. Oh, I feel bad because I've actually never seen Gravity Falls. Oh, someone's screaming at at me right now. But there's and they were like, "You look like a fucked up version of that guy." And I went, "My Sunyan and I thank you." (laughs) (laughs) I have a tiny little, I have a tiny little Funko mini made of onion. Someone's like, "What is that?" I was like, "It's my Sunyan onion." Um, I Funko, (laughs) if you're listening, I won an onion Funko. Where is it? Where's the rest (laughs) of all my? I know. Give us more Steven Universe Funko, everyone. That's all I can talk about. Because you know Steven what's really Universe interesting? Like well, and that's the thing that I know Rebecca Rebecca Sugar was like, I'm not going to capitalize on this show, but we're all sitting there going, please make things, please. Give I us know, like, figures. I'm wearing my uh, Sadie Killer and the Suspects t-shirt that I bought from someone on Public. Like, someone well, else is going to capitalize when, on it. It's fine. Well, that's been the beautiful thing is also that, like, the community of Steven Universe, while very toxic, shocking, shocking to anyone that a fandom is toxic, but, like, they've been super supportive of each other, and Rebecca Sugar's like, yeah, y'all do your thing, make it. I'd rather y'all make money off this show than, than, than like, Hot Topic make money off this show. So yeah. I w- I've always loved that she's been very anti-establishment this whole mm-hmm. time as, like, a non-binary queer woman making a very, very queer show. Um you know, and it, it's definitely in the path of the shows that came before it, like regular uh, Adventure Time. I was going to say regular show. This really isn't very connected to regular show other than some of the weirdness. But No, can, regular show is like its own entity, obs- which yeah, I enjoy. It's, it's far more absurd, but I love regular show. But this is, you can see its imprint of Adventure Time on this show. Um, yeah. And then since this, you can see that this show is inspired and spun off many other shows that uh, I love when you, it all goes, it all goes back to Lauren Faust. And then it is this <laughs> long giant tree of amazing new animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, I'd say Steven universe is one of these shows that's kicked off a new era of animation um, that is no longer made for one specific age group, which I think is really fantastic. While this was pushed to kids. Yeah. I, it, uh, I don't know many kids talking about the show. I know a whole lot of adults talking about the show. Though. Oh yeah. And, uh, especially again, like you haven't seen future yet, but knowing where future goes after I, I just finished my rewatch of it today. Oh man. Like it's hard to see. It's like, I'm glad that kids watch that, but it's really mm-hmm. hard to see kids watching it because it gets into some pretty dark territory. Even yeah. just the original show gets into dark territory as well. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is you could tell that they were acknowledging that the group, while Steven might not be getting a ton older because time is suspect, we are never quite sure how much time flows, which is with those great slice of life episodes that filled like those first hundred episodes, we got a ton of slice of life stuff Mm -hmm. because Beach City and like how Beach City operated was really important to this idea and there were a lot of, you know also it might have been you know they could only afford Estelle for certain episodes or whatnot but you know it's one of those things where we got a lot of episodes that were just Steven and the people of Beach City which I found super charming and yeah. they're really interesting and everybody's super flawed and fun um, and and even 
they don't make parents cartoon parents who are just awful and worthless and pointless and idiots. Yeah. See, um, when we talk about world building, everyone's like, when you say the world word world building, everyone thinks of like fantasy and science fiction world building out in space. This is also world building of you know, yeah. building up everyone in the town of like, we mentioned, you know, the onion family, uh, like, ha- like the fact that it's like sour cream wants to DJ and he doesn't want to be a sailor like his yellow dad. Yeah. But, and then Vidalia is also there and she's completely supportive of everything. And she deals with the day to day of it. But of course she gets frustrated with it like anyone would. And mm-hmm. then you have, you know, Amethyst comes in and then they have that conversation about, you know, how Amethyst doesn't feel, she feels less than le- lesser than. And then there's the whole thing the whole growing with amethyst, which is just mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that whole, it's I would say so that bad. whole arc with amethyst hit me the hardest because me too. You know, I've always felt, you know, for a long time, I felt lesser than I felt that I wasn't good enough, but you know, eventually like I came into my own, I would say like my, my last years of high school when I finally surrounded myself with people who liked me for a change you know, I, I realized, oh, you know, I don't have to be, you know, what everyone wants me to be. I can be myself. I can be myself. Mm-hmm. And that's good enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Well, and that was I had a really hard time watching the episode, uh, which I rewatched for this when Amethyst meets the other Jaspers, like because she's in the, the, the Jasper classification, I guess, uh, the, the of the other Amethysts. And she's mm-hmm. just they're like, like, and they make fun of her the whole time. And then Jasper just rips on her, which uh, I forgot how long Jasper is actually in the show. Like Jasper. Yes, she is there for back. a while. Um, and but it's it's hard because especially because Amethyst is that epi- that character like Steven and Greg who so go with the flow and is so kicked back. Nothing can bother them to see her kind of get ripped apart um, is just it's. So well, gutter. she didn't get ripped apart by other uh, Jasper. She got ripped apart by Peridot, because oh, like Peridot, yes, yes, Peridot, yes. Peridot, like tells her, "It's like you were supposed to be a lot bigger." And you know, because mm-hmm. per- Peridot is, is like she's learning how to like give someone a ribbing, but mm-hmm. she doesn't realize that she's actually being hurtful. Because actually, right. later in when it's actually in, I think it's in season, yeah, season five, no, season four, when. Greg gets uh, taken by Blue Diamond and go to the human zoo because she meets the Mm -hmm. other Jaspers there, the other Amethyst there, and that like they accept her for who she is. Yes, like there's that great moment of the little red one going like, "I'm no longer the shortest." (laughs) I love that. Um, That well, now was when that's when the bomb, the Steven bombs were happening. Which for anyone who doesn't know, because I know the Steven Universe fandom seems very big. But Cartoon Network started doing this thing where we no longer got regular episodes. And really, for a lot of Steven Universe, it was never for regular release. We would get giant chunks, but we would get four Steven episodes at a time, five, four or six at a time. Or we'd get, like, one 15-minute episode a day for five days and would film this, form this little arc. And then we'd wait six months, and then we'd get another one. And then we'd see... We, and so it was... 
difficult for the fans when Cartoon Network's going, we're committed to this show, but we don't have a regular release schedule for it. Yeah. And every time we got it, I felt like I was getting stabbed in the heart. I made a meme that said, raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> Just because I felt like they were perfecting that idea of how to tell their most intricate story um, in the shortest amount of time, which as you pointed out earlier, they did really well and they do beautifully. Um, it is one of the high points of, of the show. Mm -hmm. I think it's just masterful. And also seeing a conversation like Lapis's, um, as someone who did, didn't realize until I was much older that I have a lot of really deeply ingrained trauma that affects how I think and why, how I make decisions to see them discuss on the most basic level, how to work through trauma and not move, not just girl, just move on from it, but like how we can physically become better because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and not that we all should suffer, but how we can better ourselves because of the trauma we've gone through. Um, because that was, I know I had several friends that the forced, um, fusion between, um, Jasper yes. and Lapis was Oh man, that difficult. hurt me. And, oh, it's um anyone who's experienced trauma, especially physical trauma, it is rough. And and it might also explain why Malachite's one of my least favorite fusions, but I think it's also Malachite is designed to look like an unappealing fusion. Um yeah. but I would like to see what a what it be like what a good relationship between a Jasper and a a, a Lapis would look like. I think yeah. that would be beautiful. I think just because that green color is stunning. Um, mm -hmm. See, and the, the one that really hit me the most was after that, when there was the episode with Greg, Steven, and Lapis on the yacht. And mm -hmm. Jasper comes back and says, no, I've changed. You've helped me change. And Lapis goes, no, our entire fusion was based on pain. And I don't want to go through that. And I was like, Yes, thank you, mm -hmm. because that reminds me of, you know, seeing a lot of my friends go through, you know, awful, toxic relationships and then finally putting their foot down saying no, no more. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I was like, wow, I've just I see this every day and it's so great to finally see it portrayed in some form of media. Yeah, well, and even things like when we finally break down and we see Rainbow Quartz for the first time, which really breaks down Pearl's relationship and feelings for Rose, mm -hmm. um, and the complicated, um, and then, oh, what's the episode? Is it called Mr. Greg? Oh, the episode with, uh, Stephen Greg and Pearl and they go to Empire mm -hmm. City. I think mm -hmm. it is called Mr. Greg. Yeah, because after he yes. finds out that uh, that Marty sold his song and he's now a millionaire. So they're like, yep. let's go uh, on a trip yep. and let's bring yep. Pearl. And let's bring Pearl. <laughs> I love the road trip episodes because there's also the really great one with Ruby and Sapphire. After, oh, my God. Um, the Pearl starts lying to make them fuse and then they both get angry at each other. Because it also, it sums up relationships in such a good, like, there's just, there's so many beautiful, beautiful things about the show that they do in the most 
subtle ways that like as I watched it the first time just ruined me. <laughs> they just they just destroyed me. And it's this is not really a selling point for the show. But it is. It's good emotional manipulation, everyone, I promise. <laughs> it's good crying, not bad crying. Yes. Um, Ugh, I love it. So I gotta tell you, I found Steven Universe probably it was had to have been in season two. Maybe it was season two. It was before the hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. Well before the hundredth episode. Um and I found art on Tumblr, because of course I did. Because I follow a lot of <laughs> Magical Girl trash blogs on Tumblr because I live for a pastel aesthetic. And the art of Steven Universe started popping up and I was like, what is this Magical Girl based on gemstones? My five-year-old stuff is going, yes, I love <laughs> this. Um, and all of my friends, I was like, friends, what is this? And they went, that's Steven Universe, girl. What do you mean you don't watch Steven Universe? It is literally made for you. And I went, well, let's watch it. Um, and it's really silly in the beginning, and it's very cute in the beginning. Um, again, the whole first episode is about Stephen finding out that his the ice cream of his favorite, you know, show is being uh, uh, discontinued. discontinued. Uh, and they so let him keep the whole, their fridge. Yeah, and but that's where Cookie Cat came from. And so early on, you could tell it took. Like, Cartoon Network and, like, Hot Topic a long time to get them to agree because Rebecca Sugar was like, we are not, we are not merchandising this show. We're not doing it. Mm -hmm. And so the first, the little bit of merchandise we got in the beginning was Steven's shirt, obviously, because this is, like, the easiest slash hardest show to cosplay from ever because it's, like, in theory, really simple, but it's really specific and strange. Um, yeah. Like, fuck any of us big guys that want to cosplay uh, old Greg or young Greg. Because, like, ooh, that's an expensive wig. That's that's a... Because, like, why would you do it without the actual, like... Top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, it's... Mm, mm. It's, it's like every old, like every older person who just really wants to hang on to their hair, but they let it grow out a lot. Mm-hmm. And even young Greg, oh my God, his hair is huge. Okay, I literally got the wig priced from an amazing uh, uh, wig maker, and like I do wigs, but like not that kind of wig. Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> Um, and like he was like, oh, on like the low end of like five hundred, and he was like, is it too much? And I went. No, I get it. It's so much work. That's like seven or eight wigs in there. Like, it's just so much work. But I also went, it's really funny when you're like, my wig costs $550, but the rest of the cosplay costs $2350. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's literally a ripped off t-shirt, shitty jeans, and flip-flops. Like, yeah. And then there's the guy in California that literally went and got a, a, a van and customized it to be the Mr. Universe van to go with the cosplay. And I went... Y'all gotta calm down. Y'all gotta... These <laughs> cosplayers, they're getting crazy. Uh, but I love it. I live for it. Um, yes. But it's just... So I think on the top, I think what we're gonna break down is what... Uh, we don't use good and bad on this show. We use effective and ineffective. And so I want to talk about some really effective things that you think they did. Production, design-wise, even in casting. Because um, casting for the show. This voice cast from top... To bottom, to bottom is utter perfection. It is with She-Ra, the, to me, the top two perfectly cast animated shows or animated things of all time. Yes. Perfect. So I guess this is uh, now say, just 
you know, we are just the biggest Steven Universe Shira stands along with Rachel, just the three of us. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. Wait, I do feel, we have I feel like to? Storm's going. Do we have to start a podcast? Now? <laughs> do we have to start a Matt podcast? Storm, you now? can come to. Matt can come mm. to. Yes, because he did. Because he did to. watch Shira, and he loved it. Yes, he did. Oh, it's great. that's why I just. Yeah. Oh, it's that's he and I both did it at the same time. I I in the same week, mar- two weeks, marathoned all of Avatar for the first time and all of Shira for the first time. So I just had two amazing weeks of animation, and I never need to watch anything ever again. Um, I also rewatched but- uh, watched Avatar for the first time not long ago, because uh, so prior to the uh, it's mentioned in in the episode of Screen Snark I'm on, but. Uh, the Rachel's audio got lost, so we had to re-record the episode. So the original episode, oh, yeah. I talked about my first watch of Avatar, and I got to talk about how how Avatar and Shira are essentially the same show. Mm-hmm. 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 They they are, mm-hmm. and we yeah. all have to accept that. Okay. Just a side note: Have you, because the election has happened for anyone, um, have you <laughs> seen? The voice actress of Azula on TikTok, she and her son have a channel together and she's been reading Trump tweets yes. as Azula. Yes. It is so good. You, oh, wait, we, we, we also have to mention that she's also the voice of Daphne. Yes. And, and I believe she, yeah. if I want to remember, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, she was also the voice of Mandy from The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. I think. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. is. Okay. I just, that's the crossover I want. Mandy and Azula. Like, the, <laughs> could there be more any devious women? I think not. Mandy is one of the most evil. Oh, I stand Billy and Mandy. God, Cartoon Network. That and Ed, Ed, and Nettie. Oh, my I God. Yes. I have an unearthly love of Ed, Ed, and Nettie. Specifically, the fanfics and artists that aged up Kevin and Double D to be this adorable queer couple, mm-hmm. uh, like, in college. And it is... The most magical. <laughs> I'm showing. I'm also going to mention that Rolf is one of the best characters ever. One of the best. Also, Jimmy and Plank. I I want Plank <laughs> to have his own show. I just want. I want shorts of Plank, and it's just five minutes of Plank sitting on a background. So like, wait, I think it would be. I know the greatest crossover ever, Plank and Dogcopter. <gasps> a dogcopter. <laughs> I the the side shit they came up with for Steven Universe baffles me. Like it is like Cookie Cat, Dog Copter, like it's or oh what's the Camp the Lonely fruit? Hearts? Yes, and or then Camp the Pining fruit, Hearts. I'm sorry, Camp Pining Hearts. Camp Pining Hearts, and then what is it? The fruit 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 bunch fruit group. Uh, um, was it Crying Fruit Friends? Yes, it's, I think yes, so. Crying Fruit Friends. It's so. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But, and it made me just love. It's also like, so like, okay, going in design wise, it's like a vape. It's a pastel vaporwave fantasy. It's like yes. the design aspect of it for me. Cause like, they've always got that purple GameCube in every shot that they're in the, in that they're in the beach house. Just the color palette is so soothing. Um, mm-hmm. And makes it so enjoyable to watch. It All reminds me the, a lot of like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, like his, like the way he designs his movies, like th- just just the color palette itself. Yeah, I would no, I agree. You could tell that they really thought about every 
aspect along the way. And also, Rebecca Sugar, like, writing most of the music on ukulele was mm-hmm. so fitting and so sweet. And, it, it again, it makes it really enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. um the sound and then the with the people that did the actual like score of the show yes i am not going to try and butcher their names me uh, either yeah yeah but you can look but them it, up uh and i love the i love the combination of the soothing piano along with that 8-bit sound mm-hmm, mm-hmm. combined like the two of them mm-hmm. those two contrasting sounds combined it's perfect yeah. it's perfect for this show it is perfect for the show and there's such a clunkiness to the characters that fits with this world and i love that everybody looks so unusual because here's the thing folks we all look weird mm-hmm. hot people are such a minority like hot chiseled hollywood people they're not real our bodies aren't supposed to look like that that's not what our bodies are supposed to look like we're supposed to look weird we're supposed to look unusual and strange. excuse me maddie um everyone is hot Hot take. You are correct. Everyone's hot. Everyone, but I meant like that idea of like the <laughs> Hollywood hotness. But no, everybody's hot. Everybody's cute. There is someone mm. out there for everybody. There is somebody into everyone. That is a uh, you just it's. But like, you know, I like. I want to talk about Lars and Sadie for a second because I think they're so expertly designed as humans. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, can I tell you when Lars became pink? I went. Why do, do I, I suddenly like? now need an all pink boyfriend with a pompadour mohawk? <laughs> and gauges. And gauges. And yes. gauges. Well, and like the gauges are a big deal for like a kid's. Again, we have to look at this as it sold as a kid's show, even though it was like a YA thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, sh- it, you know, it, it sold ultimately to a kid's network, which, you know, Cartoon Network really pushes some things and they always have. I mean, mm-hmm. let's talk, we want to talk about that gumball, like watching gumball and then watching this. It's, you know, it's, and I love gumball. I'm going to preface this with, I love the weird French anime that is the amazing world of gumball because it is so ridiculous, but just knowing, and then like we bear bears could be after this or, you know, it's, it's, you know, Teen Titans go, you know, all these things that go together for Cartoon Network. It's so strange, but always do things that people don't expect. Um, yeah. That, like for a while you could watch this and then the, the, the really good Thundercats reboot. Mm-hmm. Or like going, going a lot further back from when I was a child. Sorry, I'm really young. Uh, <laughs> I know I grew up right at, I grew up. Okay. So I was born the year before Batman Beyond aired. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, mm-hmm. Static Shock, and then the original Teen Titans. I remember yeah. when the first ep- then uh, Young Justice debuted, which I'm now so watching. Good. I am so now watching it. It's so good. Megan is the best. Megan is the best. Yes. She just is. Yes. And I was also very happy to have Bruce Greenwood back as Batman because he is a really, yes. really good Batman. He's a very good Batman. Yeah, just as much a, as I love Kevin Conroy, he's a very oh, good Batman. Kevin Conroy is the best. Let's just say that off the bat, because Mask of the Phantasm is the best Batman movie of all time. So good, it's so good. <laughs> but second best Batman movie of all time is the is another animated one, uh, Under the Red Hood, where Bruce Greenwood is Batman. Yes. 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 And then going to tie it right. back. Joker is voiced by the wonderful John DiMaggio who is also in Adventure Time, which Rebecca Sugar worked on, Closing yes. the Loop. 
Oh, yeah. I'm shocked he didn't pop up on this, frankly. Like, he's one of the people that I was surprised he didn't pop up on this. But yeah. um, it's we'll get to the voice cast in a second. I'm going to put a pin in that because mm-hmm. we got to talk. We have to talk about the cast of this show. Yes. Um, but I, I think the design, like, there are a lot of people that I've sold the show on just from the design and the sound and, and music design of the show. I think... They make the show so enjoyable to watch. They make it rewatchable um, because there are also those great scenes where as simplistic, quote unquote, as this animation style could be. It is still very deep and interesting. And there are things that I still notice every time. Um, Also, it's a show that's not diverse for for diversity's sake, just for them to say, oh, we ticked the diversity box. They actually built a rich and diverse community where the diversity and difference is what made Beach City weird and strong as a community and where the gems weren't any weirder than any of these people in the town. And that's what I love about it. Yes. Um, I would like I would argue that Yellowtail is one of like I would say like top three weirdest characters. And that's including oh, yes. the gems. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then you've got, like, I go go back to him, but, like, Mayor Dewey and his weird obsession with Pearl, like, he's... <laughs> just, and, I love that. But, you know, the tall one, the, the weird one, the hot one, and he does, <laughs> her, he does her pose? Yes. Oh, well, because I think, isn't that the same episode where Jamie's doing the play about the gems and... Jamie's got like the box for Garnet, the mop for Amethyst, <laughs> and the the party cone for Pearl. Like no, I think well, were... so, yeah, I remember that episode. But I think whenever he was talking to Stephen, I think that was way before. Or is that real, that is was that way before because it was like in season one when he did that. Oh yes, you are correct. I'm, there is there are also sixty five episodes in season one. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is very very long. There, there's a lot of things where I was watching a recap of the whole series earlier and I went, I don't remember some of this. Oh no, I really do need to do a full rewatch of this yes. now. Um, well, well, I remember, darn, uh, uh, I remember when you first asked me to, to come on this show, uh, I, I, my, cause like I had just finished watching, uh, the movie and future. I took a day and I just watched everything and, you texted me like a few days after that. And I was like, I have to talk Steven universe. I know. And then I realized it won't, I was like, Oh, we're not going to be recording it for a while. I'm just going to rewatch the whole thing. Like all yes. of it. I love it. So it it's took, so it took good. me like a week to rewatch the whole, the, the, just the show. It took me like a week because it's kind of it, like, again, having that, you know, 11 minute runtime. It's perfect. So where like I can, no, while even while I'm at work, I can watch an mm-hmm. episode on break. I can watch two episodes yep. on my lunch. It's perfect like that. Yep. Yeah, it's actually a really easy show to binge the whole thing. Like you could easily do it in a week and it not take up a huge chunk of your time. Yeah. Um, what are some things for you, uh, JD, that stand out like design wise for for this show? Hmm. Uh, I would say like the most obvious thing is the gem fusions of mm-hmm. taking like every like all these gems who have very unique designs like it's established later in the show that gem fusion of two different gems fusing is taboo in on the gem homeworld like the 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 laws that the diamonds have established 
that usually it's gems that are the same wolf use. So having these very unique gems, I mean, just the, the, let's just go with the core three we have Mm -hmm. of Pearl, Garn, and Amethyst. They all are very unique Mm -hmm. in their design. So then whenever they fuse with each other, where you have, you know, Amethyst and Garnet have Sugalite and mm-hmm. Pearl and uh, uh, Garnet have uh, Sardonyx. And when they all combine, you get Alexandrite. And uh, like, I love the fact that you like will have multiple eyes and multiple arms mm-hmm. and you have like pieces of each of them come like combine and some of them mm-hmm. are separate, but they're together and then, of course, you them have their own weapons, and then they combine the weapons. And then mm-hmm. it gets even more fun when you bring Steven into the mix, and yeah. you have... Yeah, and then they all become, like, whenever they fuse, they become a lot more human-like. So we get Smoky Quartz, we get uh, Rainbow uh, Rainbow Quartz 2.0, and we get... Oh, uh, I love it. It's He's totally Matt Smith as the Doctor, and you can't yes. tell me otherwise. Yes. Like, he, like Rainbow Quartz 2 is absolutely the 11th Doctor from Doctor And Who. then Sunspot. I love Sunspot. Like, so oh, I'll go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do a little little bit of a, a spoiler. There is an episode in future. I think, I think, I think everything's been spoiled for me in future almost. Yeah. So, so there's an episode in future where it's just, um, sunspot and rainbow quartz too, a lot. So you get to see I them a lot that. more. And mm-hmm. I love, I love the idea of sunspot just basically like breaking the fourth wall all the time to let the kids know, like, Hey, don't do this at home kids or Hey no. kids, make sure you do this. Like, that like on the surface, that's like one of the first things that's great is like the the the, the design of the fusions, yeah. and then another thing is uh, you've already said it, but and you've already talked a lot about it, but like the the design of the human characters, and you you mentioned Lars and Sadie. I love the design of Lars and Sadie. I love like you know having the height difference. I love their hair. I love that Lars it look, basically looks like how I always thought I would look as an adult with that little pompadour and the gauges, because when I was in high school, it's like, I want giant gauges. I'm a metalhead. I want gauges. That was me. And Lars is just, you know, but, but on, but on the inside, he's like, you know, he's a baker. He's a softy. Yeah. And say, and then, you know, like I love by the end of it, like you have that moment and the finale where they meet each other for the first time in a long time. And, you know, it was like, wow, Sadie, you're a rock star. Wow. Lars, you're a space pirate. And it's like, wow, they've come very, so they've far. come a long way from oh. that. Cause they were like, I think like Steven is the first character introduced. And then right after Steven, it's Lars and Sadie. Like you don't even meet the mm-hmm. gems and you meet the gems after you meet Lars and Sadie. So I would yeah. argue like Lars and Sadie are like two of the most important characters in the show. And they're kind of like, almost like a uh, like a baseline for the show of like this is how weird the show's going to get it's based on how weird the lives of Sadie and Lars are getting and as like as the show goes yeah. on and how their relationship with their the relationship they have with each other their relationships they have with Steven the relationships mm-hmm. they have with each of their parents uh like I love Barb Barb is the best Barb is like so that good. that wonderful like over like over-involved mother that a lot of people kind of wish they they had like that that parent is just mm-hmm. like really involved in your kid stuff but at the same time yes. like it kind of shows the um 
I wouldn't say dark side to it, but like the, the not so great, the kind of the negative side to that, having like having a parent who's always involved in your stuff and wants to be a part of your life. And then you have the parents who like really try, but Lars is just like, no, I'm not going to wear the heart gauges that you got me. I'm going to wear my cool skull gauges because I'm a tough boy. But it's also so sweet because it's like, oh, look at them being supportive. My mother would be like, no, we're stitching your ears back together. (laughs) But like, that's just, it's so, but I do, I think it's interesting that you bring up this idea of the gauge of the people of Beach City are still always kind of be there, whether the gems are there or not, whether Steven goes back to Homeworld, Mm -hmm. no matter kind of what happens is the people of Beach City are still going to have to be there to be Beach City. Yeah. So. It's also like um, another one of the the families that we get to know really well, which is the pizza family. Yes, um, the Nanafwas. Yeah, they're amazing. They are and just fish stew pizza, which is just such an I love. It's I love so, that name. Anytime they came up with food for the show too, it is so ridiculous. The or fried bits. crunchies for the Steven. Bits. The bits. The bits. And they're just. Um, and even Connie's parents, they they start using the trope of what we expect from like animated parents, but then they really flip yeah. Connie's parents in such a beautiful way. I think it, um, one of my favorite episodes with them is the snowstorm episode where Greg and Steven get stuck at their house. Yeah, it's it's, it's so it's so sweet. And um, I love uh, her dad uh, saying like, hey, cool sweater and cool sweater, Greg. Like it's like he gets yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I love like also there's those the they actually did like individual episodes for each parent having the, mm-hmm. the episode at the hospital with Connie's mom uh, yeah. and her finally like learning what Connie's been doing this whole time. And then mm-hmm. just realizing, you know what, I don't want to lose you. So I'm just going to have to accept this and I'll be supportive in yeah. any way I can. And then having that episode in late season four, that episode with her dad and, you know, him wanting to like, you know, him like because we didn't never saw like what he thought of Connie doing all this crazy gem stuff. And then you find right. out, oh, he just wants to be he wants to be a role model for her and be cool, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, you know, you're my dad and I just want you to be who you are. And it's just it's really great. It's really great. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry on the show. Um, you can cry on the show. Uh, I have cried just in my Aladdin episode with Matt Storm, but that was talking about Alan Menken, so it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, or not yeah. Alan Menken, Howard Ashman. Um, I think talking about the parents, it's really important that we touch on Greg. Yes. Because Greg could have easily, Greg easily could be the archetype of the hapless, overweight dad that we've gotten through all of animation history going back mm-hmm. to Homer Simpson. Um, uh, Cause you know, he's a lot like uh, Mr. Waterston in, in um, amazing world of gumball. He's a lot like Peter Griffin. He's, uh, he, yeah. uh, you know, but you mentioned Homer. I feel, but then again, Homer is like a satire of that trope. Right. Well, and that's, and then all the other dads are kind of based on Homer, you know, that satire yeah. of that. Just trope. without the satire, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, looking at you family guy uh, we're look we're looking at you seth mcfarland we know you want to end your show so just end the fucking show mm-hmm. tell fox to fuck off even though they're owned by disney now um, <laughs> uh, um 
<laughs> but Greg is great. But Greg is so... Oh. One, I love... I love his design. Mm-hmm. That, like, he's run down, he's balding, he has weird fucking tan lines. He <laughs> I love the tan lines, and they keep it throughout the entire show. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get a little weirder. Like, there was a while where he's got, like, the pants lines, but then sometimes he doesn't have the pants lines. Mm-hmm. And I just... But he is so much heart that like he just doesn't want to get left behind mm-hmm. by Steven and he just wants to be there with him which is why we get the I mean really the arc of them traveling and meeting Blue Diamond and then going to the uh, the zoo going to the zoo the human zoo which also talking about design the difference of what a human world looks like versus home world Homeworld being very geometric with hard edges, but mm-hmm. then, um, but then a human world has very soft, flowing edges and very like yeah. Um, but we'll get to we'll get to Homeworld in a second because <laughs> want to talk about the diamonds. I love the diamonds. I hate the diamonds. I love the diamonds. Um, but Greg, Greg is like the adult that we should all want to be. But it's also really cool. Like as someone who's now in my thirties and was like. I still feel like a teenager some days. I have a wall of collectibles. I like cartoons, but it's not like a childish thing where Greg doesn't necessarily lack a maturity. He just lacks... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lacks... motioning listeners to my wall of, of thou- uh, over a thousand DVDs and Blu-rays because yep. I am a child. Well, mine are all over in binders sitting next to my TV, but... Um, but, you know, and it's it's Greg just being like, I want to do the best for you as your dad, but I don't even know how to be your dad sometimes. And it's yeah. just like, oh, I really appreciated adults going, I don't know how to be an adult and that's okay yeah. because you're going to turn out great because you're already a great human. And that, they take so much pressure off of kids being kids and teenagers being teenagers and figuring out their journey, uh, which is another really, I think, effective and important thing they do in this show. Yeah, absolutely. Wholeheartedly so, agree. I want to talk about the diamonds, but part of the diamonds is the casting of the diamonds. They did a really nice job of this is one of the few shows that they build the suspense about Homeworld so well. And the flashbacks we get of like the gym war where it's very like all black bodies with colored hair and mm-hmm. and like it's all in vignettes and things and we know we only get like silhouettes of the diamonds and they look terrifying and scary and then oh wait they are terrifying and scary <laughs> like i think the first time we we actually like see anything of the diamonds is uh the first time they go to the moon base i think in season 2 yeah, season two, mm-hmm. they go they go to the moon base and we see like the like the murals of them. And yes. then, like you said, like it, it has those hard, hard geometrical edges uh, to them. And we like we see the we see pink diamond and we see yellow diamond, mm-hmm. you know, because Paradox like, oh, this is the diamond that I report to. And then this is the diamond that was shattered. And, and the whole thing with pink diamond is just insanity, In- to say the least. Sanity. I, so this is one of the few times where I delved into conspiracy theory so hard and picked apart a show so hard. And then can I tell you when I was right and everyone (laughs) told me that I was fucking nuts. So we're, there's not a way to talk about the, 
the last two seasons of the show and not spoil things. So, oh yeah, um, we've spoiled plenty spoil so far. So let's just uh, let's get into yeah, it. We're gonna so when it when it came out, the rose quartz was pink diamond, and I was we were literally Google uh, Google hanging out with my friends as we watched it together, and I went, ha! <laughs> you ha! went vindicated, I vindicated. I knew it. And the whole time I was like, I'm probably wrong, guys, but like. What if Rose Quartz was actually, actually pink, diamond? pink Diamond? Wouldn't that be the least to say the most? I mean, it just like, points it out. It's like, I mean, Pink Lion, Pink this, Pink that, kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we never heard about Rose Quartz until the rebellion. Like, yeah. she just shows up out of nowhere. But again, they set it up in a really beautiful way. But then when it's like... Um, when I really knew it was when we saw Pink Diamond's gondola in Korea, I think that's where it was. Oh, the, the palanquin. Yes. And all of the rose quartzes were bubbled and I went, excuse me. It's cause it's cause they'll know she's. And then my friends were like, what is that about? I was like, it's because every other rose quartz would know she's not a real rose quartz. Everyone would know. Yeah. Like, like they were they bubbled because know. they look, they, they look their other rose quartzes and they, you know, they don't want to look at them. So they bubbled them yeah. all. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it, I was like, ah, the same. You know, also, cause this is, this is a show where they also make our heroine, our, our archetypal heroine who's not there, she's not a great, I, you know, she's not a person. She's a gem. Mm-hmm. She's not a good person. And they really don't dice about it, especially when we meet Bismuth. And, yeah. and everybody was like, one, voiced by the incredible Uzo Dubo. Yes. I think I, we have to talk about casting next because it's so good. I will um, also preface that and preface before we even get to the casting that yeah. I don't know the majority of the people. Like I, 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 I've seen them. I know their names, but like just because they're not in a lot of stuff that I recognize, there are a couple right. actors. Uzu, um, Uzo how Dubo. do you say? Yeah. Dubo. Yeah. She, like I recognize her because like my mom watches orange is the new black and I've occasionally watched a couple episodes and she's in that show as crazy eyes. And she's great in that show. Phenomenal. Yes. And, and I know her from the Broadway. So yeah, uh, for me talking about this, it's just cause there's so many theater actors. In this I know. Show. I was like, I'm pretty, cause like every, like every time I clicked on someone's name from Wikipedia, it's like Broadway, 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 Broadway. And I was like, Oh, and in beautiful in talking about Spinell today, like she's Sarah Styles, Sarah she's Styles. an amazing Broadway actress. She's so good. I mean, she's also an incredible voice actress now because oh, yes. she, she forever will look like a child. Like she played a 16 year old in a movie like three years ago mm-hmm. uh, alongside two 16 year olds. So like, yeah. And I think she's my age, but um, yes. D- d- br- br- diamonds. <laughs> diamonds. Oh yes. And so as we're slowly getting when they were like, yeah, Rose shattered pink, but we had to right? And I went, excuse me. In, in theory, wait, she shot what are we the good guy that's the first time i went we're not the are good guys what if we're not the good guys what if we're the bad guys hey, it's that <gasps> meme of are we the baddies are we the baddies well and then to realize because that's the point where we went oh wait our crystal gems are the only one of the rebellions that made it out alive Oh, it wasn't four gems versus an army. It was thousands of gems versus. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. 
and then we meet, you know, and then I went, it's all the corrupted gems. It's all the corrupted gems. It's all the corrupted gems. Um, oh, and then you're like, that's a big body count, Rose. That's a big, Rose, we'll, we'll get to that too. I was about to say, but all, the and then, of course, Egan. Bismuth, the whole thing with Bismuth is just <sighs> insanity. <sighs> I think that's the best way to describe the last, like, two and a half seasons of the show are just insanity. Really starting with, like, when Lapis. the diamonds, like. This yes. whole thing starts with a lapis, I would argue. It's yes. like the whole oh, thing yeah. of, like. The, the depth the, the depths that the the show takes or that it wades into it starts with yeah. lapis Stephen healing lapis and then lapis having to come back with Jasper and Peridot is a lot oh uh, it's a lot and that's even Jasper was so scary in such of a real Jasper's that worst case scenario when you're like we can't beat her why is she can keep coming back and I went Y'all, we can't get to the diamonds because if the diamonds are worse than Jasper, everyone's going to die. They can't kill yeah. everybody, right? It's a kid's show. And they went, well, and I went, mm, I can't kill everybody. It's a kid's show. Um, <laughs> and so it's the depth. And I think it was interesting that they acknowledged that the show, while five seasons, did we have yes. five seasons? Five seasons. Five seasons plus a movie in future. Um, but five seasons had been on for like, eight years, mm-hmm. something like that. So they ha- acknowledge that like our kids are now teenagers that started watching the show when they were children are now teenagers. The teenagers are now 20 somethings. Our adult fans are just older now. And so you could tell that they were willing to take that, that jump. Um, and also Rebecca, you could tell Rebecca sugar wouldn't back down when it came to yeah. making decisions about the show. Um, cause it was something nice about the show. I was like, if Cartoon Network ever wanted to give it the ax, somebody else was going to pick it up. That was the, that was the delightful thing is that obviously somebody else would have picked it up, Yeah, but I'm glad we didn't have to, I'm glad we didn't have to go there. There actually is a quote I have here. Um, there was an interview with Rebecca Sugar after future ended. I think it still applies to the show itself is, yeah. Uh, so the question was, the final episodes deal with a lot of serious material, even more than usual. Was that an intentional choice as you planned out future? And she replied, quote, we didn't want to shy away from the difficulty of the situation. Stephen had always added a lot of levity to everything, but he had been doing that very consciously and aggressively, trying to make something positive out of a very negative situation. He's not doing that anymore. He just doesn't have the bandwidth. Right. And I think that just applies think- to the show itself still. Yeah, and I think, well, I mean, I and haven't we all been through that situation where we go, we just can't deal with something anymore, and so we have to learn to deal with it in another way. That's that's a beautiful quote. Thank you. That's a lovely quote. Um, and so it's, it got heavier in a way that, and it wasn't for dramatic sake. I didn't think the show was ever overly dramatic in a way that it didn't need to be. Like, I mm-hmm. thought it was always very real. Um and so, okay, I want to talk cast a little, and then I want to talk about original music, because Ooh, fire. boy. <laughs> fire. Fire. Um, so, the cast. For anyone out there, if you look at this list, and you're not a theater actor, you probably don't know who most of these people are. That's and, me. Okay, except um, uh, Suglight, who is literally Nicki Minaj, right? Yes, Suglight? Uh, Sugalite, I, th- Sugalite, I think? yes, yeah. It, um, that, wait, that's so, the, that is Nicki Minaj. Yeah, 
Holy Frog shit. Gets, oh, Guardian but, of Amethyst. It's oh why she only speaks in one episode. Because they can only afford her for one episode. I mean, it's yeah. why she just kind of—it's kind of why she just kind of yells in the next ones. Um, though I don't think there are I two other there are two other castings that I recognize the like actually knew them from their names alone, and both of them were fusions. One was uh, Smoky Quartz, uh, which is yes. yeah, Stephen and um, Amethyst Fusion is voiced by Natasha Leone, and yes. then Stevani is AJ Mashalka, a.k.a. Catcher from She-Ra. Hey, Adora. Oh, my God. <laughs> I so love watching that, like, five-minute compilation of just all the times Catra has said, hey, Adora. Hey, did you watch, uh, did you watch the video of the cast um, all trying to recreate uh, saying it when they did, like, a Zoom roundtable together? No. It's so... Because it's like Bo Glimmer, Lauren Ash, who played um, uh, Scorpia. Uh, uh, oh, hey, sorry. It's, it's oh, a gosh. Bu- I it's love a Scorpia bunch of them so together. Much. It's, oh, Scorpia? Give her her own show. I love her. I love it. Bring it back. I want more She-Ra. I need more She-Ra. <laughs> Bring it well, back. apparently she's like, Noelle Stevenson is making a He-Man show, which I'm here for. Because, like, yes. Netflix is doing two He-Man things. There's the Kevin Smith miniseries that, like, is a continuation of the original show. Yeah. And then and that's supposed to be a miniseries, but then Noelle Stevenson is actually doing, like, a full-on series that's going to tie into She-Ra. I well, just you want, have to. I just want my She-Ra movie where they're just, like, doing Guardians of the Galaxy shit. Oh. That's what yeah, I want. Would, <laughs> and then I want I want to see what Tila would be like. Tira, Tila and Eveline. I want to see both of them over. I like. I just want to see. I also want to see Adam being this tiny, skinny nerd who's just worthless to the world <laughs> who becomes He Man. Um, yes. Um, okay, like Captain America. So I, I don't. Oh, they don't have. Oh, they do. Okay. So the only thing that I missed, I think they missed out on a casting wise. And again, this was a fusion was that I think Janelle Monet should have been Sardonyx. Yes! I thought she yes. should have been Sardonyx. And she went, and uh, Alexia Kadim, uh, it was amazing. Absolutely yes, absolutely. Lovely. Uh, Perfect. Sardonyx is one of my favorite fusions. Um, I'm sorry, just, just really quick. She, you mentioned Janelle Monet, yeah. and I mentioned this on Twitter uh, at some point. Janelle Monet for the Joker and... In the, yes. ne- in the next Matt Reeves Batman movie, when, whenever, whatever movie of his has the Joker, Janelle Monet. Mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. said that she would want to play the Joker. So, well, I also thought that putting her in Flashpoint as Martha Wayne Joker would be really cool. Whoa, boy! Yeah, mm. I'm. Also, mm. it's because rarely do we get um, musicians who are actually really good actors, and she is a oh my phenomenal god, Hidden Figures performer. and Moonlight. Holy shit! Yes, I mean, also, I'm not a horror person, but like. She humanized Antebellum in such a great way that, like, that movie could have been garbage. But, like, her performance is always just so good. Yes. Um, She also just has a really appealing speaking voice. I Mm -hmm. just... um, Also, she's just artist, artist, artist. So that's why... Also, I always said that... um, Fuck it. Make her the next James Bond. Fuck yeah. Well, we've got the other actress that's going to be lesbian James Bond, which I'm here for. Oh, Lashana Lynch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But so, uh, the main cast, 
you know, Estelle, who if anybody heard the song American Boy, she sang that like 10 years ago yes. with Kanye, which is a bop, but she's Garnet and does a really great job um, because they, they've given her voice direction in a way that she just has to be like really... She goes for it when they need her to go for it, but otherwise she's just really warm and supportive, and that is exactly mm-hmm. what Garnet needs, and it's awesome. I love it. Um, and I think her last name's Mazer, uh, who plays Pearl. I should have this up right now. I was watching. Um, there, I, w- I did watch one of the few interviews I've watched. Is there was a panel that um, that had uh, it was Zach Callison, Estelle, and. Um, Again, don't know the actor's name, but the actor who plays Pearl. I believe it's Dee Dee. I'm going to... Someone's screaming at me. It's Dee Dee. Oh, yeah. Dee Dee Mag- Magno. Dee Dee Magno. Which I love because she is the young Asian woman in the classroom, in the class, in the choir, in Sister Act 2. When she was like 16 years old, she was in that movie. And I love that movie. She's also I a huge those theater movies. actress. Um, there's a great interview where she talks about she did a full run of Next to Normal for like four months while she was recording Steven Universe. And her voice for Diane is very different than her, do- her voice <laughs> for, for Pearl. Um, it's just her normal but, voice, really. Yeah, it really is. Um, but like kind of going through, oh, I love Kate Micucci as Sadie. One, Kate Micucci yes. is so... Yes, and um, she's, I forget his name, but the guy who plays Lars, I know him from Two Bro Girls. Yep, Matthew Moy. He yep. plays the manager. Yep, yep. It, it's, <laughs> and he's uh, great in Two Bro Girls. Well, I love that D. Bradley Baker is Lion. Like, that's so funny to me. Like, he's a... It's perfect. He's such a well-known voice actor. Yeah, he's so good. Um but yeah, as you go through a lot of these people, you wouldn't recognize Michaela Dietz uh, as Amethyst. As Amethyst, um, yes. Yeah, and there's just uh, oh Shelby Rabara as Peridot. One, the two of them are <laughs> hilarious together. When you they, apparently, anytime they do cons or stuff together, they always room together, and they're like good good friends, and they're just so. Oh, her Michaela Dietz. Yeah, and they're just so funny together. I I went down a rabbit hole of of just videos of the that cast touring together mm-hmm. and doing conventions because they would all stay together. They would do panels. It's so good. Now, Susan Egan as Rose Quartz, who is Megara from Hercules, mm-hmm. uh, Disney's Hercules. She is the original Belle in Beauty and the Beast. She is, um, oh, I just watched it last night. What's her name? Oh, she's Lynn in Spirited Away. Um, she is such an interesting and dynamic voice, but she, Rose's voice, they did such a smart job casting and using Susan because we would only get her like once every 10 to 15 episodes, maybe 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just has such a cool, calm voice as Rose. Because they never show us Rose, the war general. They always show us Rose, the kind of benevolent, like, explorer. Um, yeah. Which I absolutely love. And it's so delightful and, and wonderful. Um, but I thought she was just perfect. Um, but, I mean, they even got Sinbad, who plays Mr. Smiley. Like... <laughs> Uh, like the people they got overall together, it's just, I mean, okay. So there's a character that we're going to, Oh, Christine. Okay. So there are so many theater actors. I want to just get into that. Now there are so many theater actors in this. 
uh, the diamonds alone. White Diamond and Yellow Diamond, Patti LuPone and Christine Ebersole, who are iconic Broadway actresses. Um, Lisa Hannigan as Blue Diamond is great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And so if you, you might know... Um, oh, and Kate Flannery, who voiced Barb, is also a Broadway actress. <laughs> um, Great. Uh, and Uzo Adubo. But so Christine Ebersole, uh, you also might remember her if you've seen the Macaulay Culkin Richie Rich. She plays Mrs. Rich. Um, uh, but she and she and Patty were actually doing a Broadway show together at the time that they were looking to cast White Diamond. And Rebecca Sugar is a huge musical theater fan. Not that should not shock anyone shouldn't shock anyone with as many musical theater people and also the score, which we will talk about next. Yes. Um, that, uh, um, it's, uh, Oh, Oh, I blinked. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. I totally just, because I saw something that just surprised me. Um, that Uzo Adubo actually did not voice Bismuth in every episode. Um, there was what? a different woman that voice. Yeah. She, and I'm a monster the future and everything's fine. Oh, so in Steven universe future, Miriam Heyman voiced Bismuth. Really? Yeah. Cause I Who's still saw her. Uh, I saw her, uh, in the cast list on the show when I was watching it today. So they did. Cause, well, cause she's not in the show very much. She's, she's rarely in the show itself. So whatever the episode Bismuth casual is, that's Uzo. And change wow. your mind is Boozo, Miriam but then Hyman. this other okay. woman did it for the other ones. That's huh. that's shocking to me. Um, but they were doing. Um, oh no, they did bring Nicki Minaj back. I lied. She's in three episodes, um, or she's credited for three episodes, I should say. Um, but it's it was just so smart picking musical theater actresses to embody the largeness that is the diamonds. Um, and I think it's just so interesting and it's so good. I don't, I don't think any character was, had the wrong voice. I think all the characters together sounded exactly how I thought they should have. I thought they all had the right Mm -hmm. voices and they were so enjoyable. Oh, and actually one casting choice that I forgot that I do remember that I still find insane and perfect. Sour cream voiced by Brian Passain. Yes. Yes. Just it's, uh, it's so it's uh, so good. <laughs> it's all right. So so we we so we have like fangirled over the cast. We should should we talk about the music? Let's talk about the music. Um, oh, there was one other. Oh oh yes. Yeah, so there's one other thing. There's a question that I'm gonna have. But remind remind me to talk about Emerald when we get there. And you're gonna know the question when I when I ask it. Um, so music, I want you to riff on this music a little bit because it is, we talked about the score of the show a little bit. And so this is yes. a very musical show and it got more and more musical, uh, including, I believe we have two episodes that were like completely sung. They were just completely musical. And then the movie is very musical. Um, yes. The, mu- the movie is about, basically a musical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but talk about JD, the, some of the music for the show. So I love the idea that Rebecca Sugar had her her philosophy on using the music in the show was that, you know, she wanted to do the music as much as possible. But knowing that if the if the episode didn't call for it, then let's not do a song. 
but yeah. there are a lot of episodes where you have a lot of songs. Um, for example, the song, the episode Mr. Greg that we mentioned that has Stephen, Greg, and Pearl. That episode alone has has the song uh, <sighs> that Greg sings about what he's what he want what he's going to do with all this money because like all he mm-hmm. wants to do is just spend time with Stephen. So they said, well, let's go to Empire City. After that, we get the like the barbershop quartet type song at the ho- at the hotel that, th- that they all sing. Uh, then after there's the, what happens with Pearl, Pearl saying, you know, no, I don't want to be a part of this. We get mm-hmm. her song. Uh, it's over, isn't it? And about, it's just like, it, it, that feels like it's a big mm. musical theater piece. Yes. And then, it is. uh, Yes, and then right after that, we get Stephen's song, which his line, uh, I, I find it singing to myself every once in a while, is that line of, you both love me and I love both of you. And then we have, like, the t- we have the conversation between Greg and Pearl and how, like, it is the per like, so my favorite musical of all time is Singing in the Rain. It's one of my top, like, 12 movies of all time. Nice. And I don't, ma- I, that's a non-existent list, but... It's, it's a part of that non-existent list. I love Singing in the Rain, and the great part about Singing in the Rain and all the great musicals is that every song serves a story function. Every song in this show's stories... Hey, are, uh, <laughs> works as a story function. You're is good. there a cat? <laughs> yeah, you all should be able to hear my, my new furry son. He's meowing. I've been... Hi, buddy, come on over. Hi. Okay. So my son is outside. Yellow, but it's fine. <laughs> My son roams around outside because oh. I live on six and a half acres of land. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I can, Sorry, I, I, can like, I can do that. Yes. So, like, even going all the way to the first episode, we get the Cookie Cat song. And that, like, serves as, <laughs> yes. like, a that, that still serves a function. It's, like, it serves of, like, it shows, like, how much Stephen, how excited Stephen is about this snack, how <laughs> how he feels about it. Yeah. And just going throughout the show it and I love also like all the different styles like I mentioned that like a lot of the songs ha- feel like like big musical theater pieces. Uh yeah. Cookie Cat is literally like a like a commercial jingle. Uh but we also get like all the 80s rock that Greg would play like Comet and uh yeah. the song that he plays with the gems what would I do? We get um the episode with the, the time loops. Of, of yeah. with all the different Stevens and we get like Steven and the Stevens that hey, JD, where they all I'm play. Need you hold for a second. I need you to hold okay, for a second. Up? Sorry. <laughs> what's up, buddy? It's over, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it over? It's over, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it over? You won. I don't know the words. And now she's gone. It's over, isn't it? Why can't I move? Thank you, thank you, thank you.
come on back in. You can come in. It's okay, you can come sit with me. Sorry, I desperately had to use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, um, I, I. So, so now, now, whenever you're uh, you're editing this episode, there's a little uh, there's a little bit of singing there for you. Yes, uh, it'll be my it'll it'll be the beginning of the it'll I'll put it right at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah. back to what I was saying. So, like every a song, like I love I love like all the different tones and uh genres that it goes down like the two like all the 80s rock that uh that greg plays like i love the song comet and Mm -hmm. and i love how like that's the song that like brings him and rose together it's it's pretty incredible how the how the music is used throughout the show and in in ways that you wouldn't expect absolutely well, and I love that you talked about this idea of a musical theater moment. And it's there's this principle that started with American musical theater. Um, I feel like most of our audience knows this. Um, but it's this idea that when you can't speak anymore, your emotion is so high that you sing. And then when you can't sing anymore, the emotion is so high you dance. And they actually use that principle so much in this show, where in a kid's show, they'll just throw silly songs in. They really did treat this like many musicals, where... Um, it always feels like a song comes out of a moment they need it, unless it's like a song for a show or a theme song or something. But it, it feels <laughs> like all of the actual emotional songs or the exposition songs come out of the script, which I thought was something so smart that they did. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it made and it made me spend seventy dollars on the vinyl collection. Oh God. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I will. I will say, I listen to the music at at work a lot because um, I I have lately been wor- working a lot of early early morning shifts. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's no customers in the store. I can I work at a grocery yeah. store, uh, so there's no one in the store. I can listen to music, and every once in a while, I just put on not the score, but just the songs from yeah. the show because oh, they're just really I, great. To- I listen to Stronger Than You at least three or four times a week. Uh, in a week yes. it's on my gym list when I need to get pumped up it's so good uh, I also love the song beca- the songs because in so much musical theater or even musical movies they write these ridiculous ranges for superhumans to sing and so mm-hmm. while even like you've got Dee Dee and Estelle who are trained singers and Zach himself who is a trained singer uh, by mm-hmm. this point and has been releasing his own music um you know, uh, most of the songs aren't super stressful to sing. They're actually really appease- appealing. I find myself singing a lot of these songs just because they sound great in so many different ranges, and they're just so delightful. Yeah, I, so I, I, I'd say maybe my my favorite my favorite overall song is from one of my favorite episodes, which I think I guess we'll get to eventually. Is um the song "Here Comes a Thought" that Garnet <laughs> yes. and Savani sing mm-hmm. that. And th- I would say that is that I would say that's the strongest song because it's rooted in, in something that only like these two characters understand that I agree. it's yeah, I love it. It's so good. So let's discuss for a moment. I feel like there's not going to be much, but is there anything that you would have liked different of um, anything else you would have changed or 
I'm going to preface this with, I think this is the conversation to have about it. Are there any characters that you wish you would have seen more that they only used once or twice that you thought they could have utilized more? So, uh, I'm of the opinion, and, and again, this is as someone who have se- who has actually seen the whole piece all the way up to the ending of Future. I really don't have gripes with the show at all. I, I, I love yeah, I pretty much everything about it. Um, as far as characters that I would have liked to see more, uh, I actually forget his name, but Mr. Smiley, there's the episode where Mr. Smiley, uh, it is revealed that he used to have a comedy routine with, I think Mr. Frowny is his name. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen that more. I would have loved, I, cause like, um, my, another mod spoiler, you see him in one shot in an episode of future and I go, oh, so he's just been there the whole time ever since he showed up. I would have liked to have seen more of him. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I like the I, I maybe maybe just more more of the human characters because we do a lot of gem adventures. I mean, the last half of season five is just gem stuff. I would yeah, have liked to have seen a little more stuff. of the human of the human characters. I've also liked to see That's more awesome. of Mayor Dewey. Yeah. Oh, it's, there's never enough mayor, do we? Um, never enough, I would have especially liked once he starts working at the big donut and he's no longer the mayor. I love that. Um, I, um, I actually wanted more of Lars in space because we get one episode of it. And what I'm going to say yeah. is, so I'm a big drag race fan and I love Jinx Monsoon. Who's, uh, uh, goes by the name Jareth, amazing non-binary drag performer who voices Emerald and is, Perfection is Emerald. Um, very much an 80s supervillain in, in the way. And I would have liked to see more of that. And I do like that. The, I know they're in future. I know they're in Beach City in future. But I would have liked to see or give us a tiny like miniseries spinoff of like, I would like to see some of Lars's adventures in space. Um, because oh, with he the off colors? Yes, so, it'd be so good. Just because I he got to grow so much as a character and really grew on me and I really loved it. So I would just have liked to have seen more than a little bit more of that. But honestly, when they were cutting how many episodes that they were going to be able to premiere because of the network, mm-hmm. I don't think we could have expected more. If they go back now and want to do something, some of those would be fun. I think Yeah. Um, if HBO wants to, to release some of those, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. But Rebecca sugar has said that, um, she want, now that future is over and basically what she's put all the characters through at this point, she wants them. She would like to return to this world, but she's going to let them rest for a while. I, w- I would say we probably won't see anything in this world for like another two or three years at most. Oh, well, I mean, since the show ended this year. Break. Yeah, because yeah, she she's she's talked about the... stepping stepping out of the spotlight for a while, which I totally understand because this has become such a phenomenon in the past few years. Also, the fans but, uh, have put her through hell. Like, put her through literal hell. Um, see, uh, honestly, this is news to me. I have not known about this, Ooh. mostly because I didn't come into the show until, like, this year, really. So right. this is news well, to me. And the fandom's really cooled down quite a bit. But I would say go back and look it up when they were accused, like, a lot of, like, queer people gatekeeping queer stories and, like, attacking oh, her sugar yeah. with things that she did in the show. And I was like, shut up, let her do. It's her show, not yours. Sit down, just don't watch the show then. Um, yeah. And, or write, fa- I, or I write fan fiction. Who, who cares? 
Hooray fan fiction that four people are going to read on fanfiction.net. It's fine. I would love to see Rebecca Sugar work with Noelle Stevenson and do some music for Lumberjanes. That would be really cool. Okay, you can't I do this love, to me because love. you're just going to like ruin your like my brain is going to leak out of my ears because of how beautiful or, it's going to be. Or I would love I would love a musical episode of Shira. I think that would be fun because most of them oh, sing. God. I think that would be super super fun. Um, but yeah, I'm I, dead. So, so I just, that's, that's all I got for you today for, for this first one. We'll get into more and talk because normally we would talk future or what else you would want to see, but there is more to talk about. <laughs> um, we have the <laughs> yes, movie. There is a literally future. I will, I, yeah. I will bring you back for, uh, so I guess that's, that's going to be a pin in it for part one. Uh, are there, mm-hmm. if you could. If anybody at home, after listening to us talk for like 90 minutes about how much we love the show, um, if you could do a, like a one sentence to these folks of why they should watch it, why should people at home go watch it? Hmm. One sentence. Uh... You get to watch a lot of tall, or I'm sorry. You get to watch a lot of giant women sing and fight a lot. Yes. Because all I want, all I want to do is see you turn into a giant, a giant woman. woman. A woman. woman. I sing that, that for that... SpongeBob audition. <laughs> for SpongeBob Perfect. musical. Uh, yeah, it, Perfect. No I notes. thought so. Honestly, I think any musical theater performer worth their salt is going to watch the show and find good songs to put in their book that nobody else is going to be singing. This song is littered with, and most of the songs are less than a minute long or a minute and a half. Yes, literally so perform. Short. It's over, isn't it? That is a so perfect song you, to perform. So you could, because uh, there like, are so many songs that are essentially a 36 bar cut. They're so good. Like, I just, mm, mm. Also, you know what I would love is Estelle in the Hamilton musical movie. That's what I would love. Give her a spot. Give her something. Wait, cool are they making do. that? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Shit. Um, Fuck. I also Why? Want Jan- no. I also, I also want it, Janelle no. Monet. I want John. I want Cynthia Revo and Janelle Monet both in that movie uh, as well. Uh, yeah, Janelle Monet will be. Um, oh, Janelle Monet will be yeah. Hamilton, and Cynthia Revo will be uh, George Washington. And Estelle well, will be Arivo. Arivo wants to play uh, Lafayette Jefferson, which I am here for. Oh, you know what? <laughs> there you go. So then that means we get Joe Monet as George Washington. Yeah, there we go. I also kind of want to see her be Aaron Burr. Oh, she'd be a great. She'd be a great Aaron I just, Burr. I Honestly, hear her before do... you said, before you said Arivo as Lafayette uh, and Jefferson, I think Monet would be great in that role. Um, oh yes. What else? I want Queen Latifah to play George Washington. Fuck. You have so many. Why aren't you casting the movie? Damn. Listen, casting is my favorite thing in the entire world to do, but it is so hard to break into. So anybody out there listening, I would We're in. I can't use my degree at all right now. I would love to come work in casting someone. I have a costume degree, but I have lots of casting experience. So call me. I'd love it. Ooh, I'd love to do an all female Hamilton. Ooh, give me that. Ooh. Yes. Give okay, me that. wait. If we're doing all female, you know, Jenna Monet, I would love to see as Eliza. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then really we get that interplay between that her and uh, her 
I want it. I want it. Ooh, you know what I kind of want to see? Just because they were my favorite not confirmed couple for a while. I would love, um, uh, I would love Tessa Thompson as Angelica and Janelle Monae as Hamilton. I would <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, love it own. so much. I'm not, also, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm assuming Lupita Nyong'o is a very good, is also a very good singer as well. She should be in it as well. Um, and great. then I think, uh, I think, uh, Haley, uh, oh, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, she's playing Ariel in the new Little Mermaid. Oh, I know who you're talking about. And Haley, I don't remember her name. Haley, Haley oh, ha- Haley ba- Bailey. Haley Bailey. Because it's not Halle Berry, it's Haley Bailey. Hi, buddy. Um, hi. Hell, put um, Halle Berry in it. Put Halle oh, Berry well, in it. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. She can have a cameo. But she could play Peggy and Mariah Reynolds, I think, because she's young. She's got an amazing voice. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, this is now the Hamilton Stadium cast. And I'm actually not the biggest <laughs> Hamilton fan. But, uh, so, JD, where can our friends find you online? Oh, boy. Uh, you can find me on tw- on the Twitters. Uh, I believe I'm at underscore JD Martin underscore. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I don't remember my handle there, but you can find me. Uh, and you can also find, you can follow my podcast comics quest, uh, at on Twitter at comics quest show. And you can listen to us on, uh, right now, just, uh, simple cast, Spotify and Apple podcasts. And, uh, we currently have two episodes out right now. Cause there's been a lot of weird, uh, things with scheduling, but, have no fear, because uh, uh, we're going to have a lot of episodes by the time this show comes out. I love that. I love it. Sorry, we just, uh, my, my, little, my little furry boy decided to climb on the keyboard, so I just needed to make sure he didn't <laughs> shut any recording off. Um, but that's amazing. Also, if you come over to the certain POV Discord, you can interact with JD on there. You're very active on the Discord. Plus, you all have a, plus you've got a, a Discord for your show as well. So I do uh, come over to the discord. Well, JD, thank you. This is, uh, this is not over yet. We, we have yet another episode nope. that we will, we will have to, we will have to do. So thank you yes, for coming I'm excited. on. Thank you for having me. Did you know Rob Thomas has been writing since the mid nineties? The Matchbox 20 guy? No, the guy behind Veronica Mars. Oh, and iZombie. And Cupid, Party Down, the Cupid reboot. I haven't seen those. Me neither, but we should watch them and then talk about them on our podcast. Yes, we could call it the Rob Thomas. No, not that one. Robcast. Every other Tuesday with Alex and MJ. Find us at notthatrobcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. Thank you, as always, for joining us for another episode of the Saturday Morning Confidential. We have some big things coming, as always, when don't they? I hope you're enjoying Beyond the Grid, where we take a deep dive into the first few seasons of Power Rangers with my buddy, Case Aiken. Uh, Come back in March for our huge crossover event for the anniversary of Pokemon. I am so excited. As always, like, subscribe, rate, review, download on your favorite podcast platform. The reviews and the ratings are so important because they help us go up in the ratings. And you all have kept us above 100 in the film history ratings for America and the UK. And I cannot thank you all enough. 
Now join me next time where I prove why Goonies are good enough as we take a deep dive into the 80s classic Goonies. Don't forget to come back next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.